Yes. Woohoo. Well, I was like, oh, because I've been at this um, like student fair thing and I've like, well, I say just, obviously like a couple of hours ago, had um, a chocolate egg. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I don't really feel like dinner yet. <laughs> No, fair enough. That's not like literally the one perk of being an adult is that you can buy and eat Easter eggs whenever you want. <laughs> but the problem with being an adult is also that you can buy and eat Easter, Easter eggs egg whenever, whenever you, you want. want yeah. <laughs> I went, what was I the other day? And they were talking about like considering your like your intake and your happy places and stuff like that. And I was like, oh yeah, like that's cool. And I was like, oh shit like one of my happy places is burger king and that doesn't really relate to like the healthy eating and stuff that you've been talking about so it's like don't come to me don't come to me (laughs) moderation and all that yeah 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 there's yeah i think that definitely as long as you're looking over a larger period of time because my moderation is like don't go for like three months and then go four times in a week type thing so there's it's the moderation over the bigger period of time yeah there was um i'm literally just looking at a news article and um someone tried to rob a mcdonald's with a digger oh i i, I didn't read the article but i saw the headlines I'm just confused it's just a picture of a digger in a mcdonald's i was like i don't care because <laughs> Oh, I should have read it. behind it because it's like it looked like it was driving up to the McDonald's, and I was like, "But it's not going to fit through the drive-through, so surely they've got to get out." I don't understand. It's <laughs> the digger going through a drive-through. I was really lucky I got to meet you recently again and um, come along to the Time to Change Young Champion stuff, which was a week and a bit ago, I think. Um, Well, maybe two. I've lost track now. Um, But I've spoken in the last episode about what I thought about um, the day. But I know you've obviously been involved in the programme for a long time and... um, even as a visitor on the day, I felt really, really quite emotional about what was going on. Um, it feels really serious now after all the McDonald's crap. Um, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I don't know if you wanted to say a little bit about um, your thoughts or your feelings about um, the Time to Change event. Yeah, and it's good to see you there. Like, um, I could see when you were getting teary, I was like... God, you've not even had this like 18 months of the program and you're getting emotional. I was like, I keep crying the whole day. <laughs> it was basically just, I stopped crying a little bit and it was like, oh no, I'm set off again. I remember near the end um, of the day when we'd have a little bit of a cuddle and with the live music. Yeah. I think that kicks, that kicks you off. And I was like, I'm gone again. And then people kept saying nice things and I just can't handle that. Um, so I just kept crying and then people were saying I'm goodbye I can't deal with this <laughs> literally I was like stop I was um, like when I said to you I was like I'm finding this really emotional and I don't even know half of you <laughs> honestly and then when people were like leaving to go home um, and they were literally just saying bye like they normally do every time and I just kept sobbing and they were like oh god what have I said I was like you just said bye that was it that's all that's what's done it but I was thinking I was just so like 
proud of everyone. Mm. And that's what kind of does it for me that I just get really proud. And then that kind of feeling of like overwhelming pride just comes out in tears. And then yeah. people, when I was speaking to people one-on-one, it was more of like proud of that one individual person. So I was obviously crying for them. And then the next person, I started crying for them. I was like, okay, I need to just stop crying. Um, but that, that didn't really happen. Um, but it was lovely and kind of a nice, I think it was nice for you to see as well. Like I've spoken to you quite a bit about it. Yeah. I think like on... for me, it was like having spoken to a couple of different champions and seeing some of the stuff that you guys doing um through social media actually for me just to see the um I guess the team uh and that kind of support network that's there was really interesting and obviously because it was the the kind of the last training session um clearly like a lot more emotional than maybe some of the others were uh but just yeah that's the thing that you don't necessarily get because you see oh, here's one or two champions doing this or here's a champion doing that and this is me in the shopping centre or in a school and, like, each time it's really, really amazing. Um, but just to see, yeah, that um, that idea of a network of people coming together and even there sort of openly discussing some of the um, things that they might have been struggling with or some of the things that went really well and... Um, I think just that sort of side of it that me personally being someone that isn't a young champion um, just completely not aware of that Um, so it was really interesting to see that type of support and I think especially for young people as well I think that's really important because as a as a young person you you need support and guidance around things like just going along to events or talking to people or um knowing different ways to present um forget kind of the mental health side um just as a a young i don't know like an ambassador for whatever it is um it could be that you're an ambassador for a particular brand like you still need that kind of training and guidance and it was really quite cool to sort of see that side of it as well as the, the the mental health side. Um, so I found that really quite interesting. And then just the openness of everybody to sit down. And again, slightly different because you probably all know each other when I don't. But to see people sit down and just say, I've had this conversation or um, I've spoken about this before. And I'm just like, oh, this is amazing to sit and people openly discuss these topics and these experiences um just was really I don't know I guess it's sad in a way that it has to be amazing that people do that but it just yeah it was really cool to see um and yeah it definitely came to the most emotional one possible <laughs> yeah. uh, they're not always full of like tears and like, like soppy speeches oh my god guys I'm not gonna see you for three months <laughs> honestly honestly and I think it was nice that our final train I mean most of our trains have been at the same location but the, our final one was in the same room mm. as our first one and like you said about how people are just so kind of happy just to talk to each other and like kind of we've built up such a community over the last 18 months like the first training I remember well I mean I was silent um 
the majority of the weekend. And I think most people were. Everyone was, like, really, I guess, sceptical of what they'd signed up to. They didn't really know what it was about. And we were kind of just beginning to learn what kind of young champions purposes basically um and for it to come round and for people just to be sitting there as friends mm. in the community that we've built over the last 18 months it was so lovely and the fact that we're we're now like really comfortable with each other and we're open with each other and also with others and kind of our close family and our friends and also in kind of schools and kind of the wider community as well like the progress we've all had as individuals is ridiculous and I think that's why I kept getting like really proud because mm. I've seen kind of how we've all grown like together as like one big kind of family but also each of us have come on our own journeys as well over the last 18 months and to see that change kind of looking back to where it all began it was kind of it was just a really reflective day I know it was still like a training we were still learning new things but it kind of for me it was just a very reflective day kind of thinking back to the last 18 months and what we've all achieved in that time and that for me was kind of what made the weekend mm. and it was yeah it was really good it was really good what's I'm gonna been get <laughs> what's, what's been your favorite bit of being a young champion oh that's a question um thanks yeah. <laughs> well done podcast host um that is so hard do you know what i think it's like the sense of empowerment and the fact that we've learned so much over the last 18 months and i couldn't kind of see myself being where i am now mm-hmm. 18 months ago like if i think just like presenting, for example, 18 months ago before the program, um, if I had to do a presentation, say at uni, um, I would usually end up in a bundle of tears. I would think of ways to get out of it. I'd refuse to do it. I just wouldn't want to speak to anyone. And now I'm happy to jump into schools and start telling them my personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think that difference over that time, like I could not have done that. I know I'm saying this and they're going to kind of they'll turn around and say, no, this is all you, blah, blah, blah. You owe your success to yourself. But without that training, that support, that guidance, there is no way I could be kind of, I I guess, a more confident public Mm. speaker. I wouldn't say like fully confident because I'm still going with bundles of nerves. And I guess my nerves come out and like I'm a bit bouncy when I'm I'm presenting. Um, So... I wouldn't say like fully confident as a public speaker, but I don't think anyone ever is. Like you're always going to be nervous going into something because it's something you care about or there's a room full of people you don't know or maybe it's a room full of people you do know. Like either way, it's going to be um, nerve-wracking at times. But the skills that I've picked up and the, I guess, just the, the ongoing support that I've had throughout the whole journey from start to kind of well, it's not even finished really I say to finish I mean to the end of the program mm. but the end of the program isn't the end like we're saying like constantly that actually this is just the beginning we've learned all of this um kind of stuff from like media training testimony training like loads of different aspects of campaigning but also everyday skills really um so for us I think it's just the start of a bigger 
journey and the fact that we've come through it together as kind of a community that has been really important to me I forgot the question I've gone on a tangent again um Uh, I think I was asking about your most um your best moment or something like that which you kind of you kind of kind of did yeah I think you're right I think that um that idea that it has been a really beneficial experience for people and there's definitely the benefit around obviously mental health and being able to talk about it being able to share that and helping other people but like you say there's a real um employability side there as well like the skills that have been developed uh whether that's kind of talking in public public speaking planning sessions just like time management and sorting yourself out uh there's a lot of things that kind of go into that and I think sometimes well I kind of got the impression from that sort of brief time that uh, I I don't know maybe there's people don't recognize how many skills they've developed or how well they have developed some of those um, skills through those experiences because there's so much focus on the the mental health side there's actually they've developed so much in themselves there's so many things that they could talk about in cvs or job interviews and i think moving forward um whether they carry on as time to change champions or whether they um kind of go off and do something else those skills that they've built up and their ability to talk about mental health um will definitely be something that helps them whether it's studies or workplace that they continue to do um and that's why i think the work that we do with all age groups is important but i think particularly young people because like anyone they are a person but also they're the people that are going to start going out start going into workplaces and over time are going to be the ones that set maybe not the agenda, but they're going to set the expectations of what happens in the workplace, what happens in places of learning or or wherever. Um, And that's why I find it maybe more important because sometimes people do think, I don't know, I've been places where people are a bit more willing to listen to a young person because it's like, oh, you're going to be the person that comes in with new ideas and we're going to have to like mould your thoughts into what's, I don't know, acceptable or whatever. But they look to young people, I think, quite a lot for those new ideas and the new ways to sort of work and be. Uh, And as a young person as well, there's so much change that's happening. The the skills that you build up, the the expectation that you have that actually, do you know what, like I want to work somewhere where I can talk about this, where I have access to this. Um is really important rather than I don't know maybe before people were like I just I want to work and I'm happy to work here and you don't necessarily know about what sort of support or services are available um, and I kind of got more of an impression that actually the people that have done this stuff as young champions would go in and would ask about what sort of support is there for this and um, how is this or that seen and whether that's in interview or just going and talking to workplaces, I just felt like there was more awareness, more confidence and just a better ability to both ask questions, but also kind of set, I don't know, a precedent, uh, an expectation of this is how we should work. Yeah, I think 
like you said about skill sets for kind of younger people, I think on this program as a whole, I've learned more in terms of skill sets and actually learned more about myself in this program than I have during school, A-levels, uni even. And I think that is such an important thing for me and the other young champions as well going forward. And like you said about asking questions, I think a lot of us actually, from speaking to others, a lot of the stigma um, that we faced was actually from ourselves. Yeah. And that has been one of the main things, um, I guess, for each of us to actually overcome and still kind of working to overcome and realizing actually we are worth something and that we aren't defined by this illness that has kind of been I guess a label put on us um and actually knowing that we have a lot more to give and we are a lot more than that label yeah and I think that's probably been one of the biggest things actually for me is actually overcoming and learning to deal with self-stigma and it's not something that's kind of like completely learned. I'm still kind of <clears throat> in that, I guess, that place of self-stigma. I've been recently um, really quite unwell and I've been back to that kind of self-stigma. Like, okay, don't, don't, don't talk about it to anyone. Like just, just isolate yourself. And that's kind of my protection mode. And actually I'm like, I'm talking about reaching out to friends all the time. That's all I ever go on about is reach out to a friend, kind of tell someone if you're struggling, but I've still got that, thing in my head I'm like okay no because I'm the one that tells people to reach out I'm the one that people reach out to and I'm the helper mm. I don't want to be one getting the help and I think that for me is still something that I need to work on quite a bit um and I think for a lot of people we've had huge amounts of stigma from okay varied people so parents partners friends but actually learning how to deal with our own stigma against ourselves that is the most important thing i think out of everything is actually learning to treat ourselves kindly and mm. be kind to ourselves and then it kind of goes from there i think you're i think that sort of self stigma is such a big thing as well because so much of i guess the conversation around mental health involves stigma and sometimes it's a, a really overlooked um, thing that actually a lot of that is stuff that we hold in our own head. It's the stigma that we have about ourselves, or it's the stigma that we feel other people are going to have about us rather than what they actually do. Um, and again, it's that, like you said, it's being able to talk to people. It's being able to talk to um, your friends or the people you know and actually have a bit more of a a balanced conversation to say, yeah, maybe this is something I struggle with, but this is something I've also done or been able to do. And, um, like maybe like you say, at certain times we can continue to struggle with our mental health and with a particular illness and that's okay. We are not sort of, um, I'd say, I think there's one or two people I've seen that have, that sort of, describe themselves as recovered um but most people i think will always say actually this is something i have experienced and i still experience but hopefully for them it's to a lesser extent um and again it opens up that idea that actually it's not about someone saying this is what you do this is how you do it um and you will get better or this is how i got better it's about saying actually these are the things that i've struggled with 
these are some of the things that helped or that didn't help and this is something that I continue to struggle with. You're not talking as a professional or as an expert. You're talking as a person that experiences, that has an interest and a passion in um, in mental health. And I think that's quite a big thing that we sort of think, oh, because we talk about or we talk to other people about depression, anxiety or um, any mental health illness that because we're talking about it that means we should be recovered it means we should know all of the answers and um that was part of what I really liked about some of the uh, uh talks at the um the training event the other day and also from a lot of the people that I've spoken to on the podcast where we're talking quite openly about stuff that we have been affected by that we are affected by and it's trying to get away I guess from that self pressure that you have to be in a position of um excellence almost to talk about something uh and I get that if someone is in crisis they need that they need the professional they need the expert but a lot of what we're doing is about starting the conversation and that's going to happen when um people are in or out of mental health illness situations and um it is very much about being able to say this is stuff that I do struggle with rather than oh I remember 20 years ago when I was going through that um it's still a cool conversation to have but I think people understand or take a lot more from someone that's saying actually do you know what like this is really important but last week I spent the whole week in bed and I couldn't get up and this is what I was struggling with. People will take a lot more from that because of the honesty um, and of the situation that you're in at the time, I think. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? No, I totally agree. I think that's been probably one of the biggest learning curves for me as kind of going into campaigning that when I, well, actually, no, when I signed up, I was manic, so I wasn't well. Um but when I started, I was in a, I guess, a minor depressive episode for me. Um, and when I started speaking in schools, I remember doing a testimony in such a past tense way that mm. when I kept delivering and delivering, I was like, okay, well, my mental health kind of difficulties are in the past mm. and I'm kind of through that now and now I am a campaigner for mental health based on my experiences in the past mm. very much in the past kind of I'm out there I'm doing it now and I'm good mm. and actually realizing myself that that wasn't maybe the case that was difficult and I felt at times that I couldn't campaign maybe as well as I'd hoped because I wasn't well and recently that's kind of been very much the case that I've had to take a step back from everything and that has been really hard for me because campaigning is one of like kind of my main not focuses kind of focus but one of the main things that kind of drive me and give me that kind of sense of fulfillment and having to step back from that and actually just look after myself I think that is campaigning in a very different way in that you're actually just campaigning for yourself 
Mm. And I think that is just as important as campaigning for all of those around you. You need to campaign for you too. And I say that and it's a lot easier said than done because I'm still rubbish at it. Um, But it's such an important thing to kind of remember that you don't actually have to be well to be a good campaigner. Like you can still be struggling with things and campaign or you can be struggling and remember kind of self-care comes first campaign afterwards and you don't have to have everything in the past mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're through everything and that it's a thing of the past and you're not going to go through something again I think that's the thing with recovery is knowing that it's going to be a really cliche saying here but that it's kind of not a destination that it is that journey you're going to constantly be going on it and there are going to be fluctuations um but actually learning to kind of work with the fluctuations a little bit, I guess. And I think it is, it is hard as a campaigner to say that you're struggling um, because you are the one that's kind of, oh, how do I put it? You are campaigning for change and you are sometimes seen as the go-to person, I think, mm-hmm. when you start campaigning. Not so much on Twitter, I think, because there's such a big community on Twitter that everyone gets messages, everyone kind of has, like, go-tos. But when you are doing it on, say, Facebook, when it's family and friends and people see that you are campaigning for mental health, they often message you directly Mm. um, because they've seen someone they know doing it Mm. and it's much more of a personal thing. And I think that can be... It can be quite a bit of a pressure um, that you feel that pressure to be meeting that kind of standard that people seem to expect of you. I think that was one of my hardest things in this kind of most recent episode that I've been in is that because I've campaigned so much over the last year, people still kind of come to me and say kind of for advice, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe on kind of their own kind of mental health difficulties or as a campaigner, they've asked me questions or they message me or they call me um, for support. And actually, it's a time that I'm not able to give all of that support. And it's taken me time to realize, actually, I'm not the only person that can help yeah. and to actually signpost to other places. Um, so I've, I've got like a little resource of kind of places where people can go. So whether it's a charity helpline or just kind of your normal medical services, signpost them to there and kind of just let them know that you are there to support listen as a friend but you can't maybe offer as much as they need Mm. and actually they need more support than you can give at this time especially when you're not well yourself Mm. and it's really difficult for me like I hate that because I hate not being able to be there for someone and I feel so much guilt even when so recently I've essentially been living from my bed for the last five months and I've been breathing but not really living a life and I've still had people message me for support and I'll give it to them but I can't do everything that I used to so when I was well I would get straight in the car I would go over to their house make him a cup of tea or offer to meet up take them to the doctors kind of little things that might help them mm-hmm. but I want to do that now and I really want to do that but I can't mentally do it and that's tough 
for me to kind of have to take a step back because I feel so guilty for doing it. But at the same time, I know if the role was reversed, Mm -hmm. they, they would be saying the same thing to me and they'd be like, you don't, you need to put yourself first. Yeah. And that's the thing, like everyone that I'm kind of like friends with, close with and support or they help support me, we are very much like put yourself first. But when it comes to putting yourself first, you're like guilt, guilt, guilt. Mm. And I don't know, I don't know why that is. And it's so frustrating. I think guilt is one of the most annoying emotions that I feel um, because I can feel guilty about anything and everything. It's a, it is a lot of, it's surprising, isn't it? How often you think the things that we really talk about that are really important that we sort of say, oh, this is how you could or what you should access or do and how often we don't do that ourselves. And like you say, things like like self-care, like how often do we talk about self-care and um, making time for yourself and all this sort of stuff. And and then those of us that are talking about it, like how often do we, we actually-, actually do that? Like maybe you sit down with the intention or you've left an evening free and you're like, yeah, but then does that end up being an evening where you're like, oh, I'm actually free this evening, so I'll, I'll make sure I do the washing and the washing up and could do with doing a quick hoover and oh, I've actually got a couple of emails I need to reply to. And yeah. for some people, maybe that is relaxing, but then I, I imagine not many. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, you just you get caught up. There's always something to do. and um, Yeah. Trying to yeah kind of just recognize that sometimes and have like you say a few minutes to yourself or um actually have something that you're going to do so if you're going to sort of chill out and relax like maybe have a cd or a film or a cd (laughs) 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 why don't you get the cassette out mike yeah yeah. (laughs) maybe get your tapes out and just like listen in the bar (laughs) um but yeah having something if you need something to do or you feel like you're going to do something anyway um maybe giving yourself like a little task so if it is um like just like i said yeah like i'm gonna sit and have a bath or i'm gonna watch that film or i'm gonna go out on a walk or whatever um because i think for me like i've i've noticed that um some of the stuff that i kind of want to get done everyone sort of talks about lists and sometimes lists work um and they work for me if i can gradually get through them uh but when i have times where it's not necessarily like oh i'm gonna tick that off it's not something like that uh, i've realized i I will just put off everything that's on the list so (laughs) for me what started to work more is working out actually okay when do i want to do that blocking out a time in the calendar and putting it in like it's in the calendar like now is now is pay bills time now is like time to go and have a walk or now is time to go and do whatever and because it's in the calendar and I've blocked out the time for it I'm much more likely to do it um Mm. than a list and I think again it's that idea that it's trying different things sometimes for ourselves rather than saying oh I don't have time or I can't do that. It's trying different things. It might be that you really struggle with certain self-care for whatever reason, or maybe you're better off like when you're with people or when you're not with people or um, 
yeah, it can be yeah, it can be different things. Like maybe your self care is being outside and walking, but when it's winter, you don't want to go outside, so then you struggle yeah. because of that. Um, so again, I think it comes back to that idea of being able to talk and sort of bounce those ideas off of people. And if you can say, um, kind of similar to like we've done before, where it's not a case of oh, I come to you and it's this is my situation and what do you think it's a bit more of a sharing process so you don't feel the spotlights on you. Um, you can sort of say, oh, I'm struggling with this, but this bit's going okay, and how do you think that could happen? And it's a bit more, like, it's a conversation rather than that idea of, like, um, I don't know, like an interview or a, a session where I'm going to come to you with my problems, but it's not a sharing process, I guess. Yeah, I think that's something, like, self-care is like with most things it's such an individual thing like you need to do what's good for you it's like it's not going to be one universal thing that helps everyone and I think that's kind of something to kind of really realize and mm-hmm. for some people it's right for me right now it's basic self-care so it's not all pretty bath bombs and face masks it's remember to eat today or mm-hmm. remember to take your meds remember to actually have a drink because at the moment where I've been so depressed, I forget the basic things. I can go days without eating or drinking anything. And then I'm like, oh crap. Yeah. Um, so I have to set like little phone reminders. So I have alarms going off my phone. So that's awful because an Apple alarm is, you know, terrifying. Um, (laughs) so to actually have simple reminders for basic human needs, not necessarily, oh, a lovely bath bomb with a candle. Like Mm. that's great. Mm. And I try to do that as and when I can, um, that sounds really gross and unhygienic. Oh, well. Um, but actually I did like, I set myself time for a bath, like on Fridays, um, mm-hmm. in the evening sometime because it coincides with my Grey's Anatomy episodes. So I can okay. watch that in the bath. Okay. Um, but recently they went on a break. So I found, I literally got the episode ready to go up for the bath Yeah. and there was no episode. It was like, we're going on a break. I was like, well, that's it. I can't have a bath now. No. Um, yep. Devastated. Um, but actually doing what's good for you and that might not be all big glamorous things and that's still self-care I think sometimes self-care in I guess the wider community so not so much within people that are struggling with their mental health mm-hmm. when they think, think about self-care it's kind of go out for a bike ride go for a swim do some yoga and actually when you're struggling with your mental health that can seem like too big a step sometimes yeah to really focus actually small victories um that's something I keep getting reminded by my friends like you need to celebrate your small victories and if that's getting out of bed great if that's just literally turning your lamp on so you're not sitting in the dark all day Mm. great celebrate that and actually the small things kind of make a big difference in that self-care routine it doesn't have to be all bubble baths and face masks and yoga Mm. it can be remember to have a drink today or text a friend like not necessarily just say you're struggling obviously if you are struggling we reach out to a friend but actually just to have a conversation or to have a like human interaction because I can go so many days and just not bother with anyone and just isolate myself but actually just a text even if it's just kind of hey how's your day going something small to give mm-hmm. some form of like humanization to your life and that you're not completely alone even though you might feel you are just having that I guess balance in your life of keeping yourself safe and 
kind of feeling protected. That's kind of what my main thing is when I isolate myself. I am trying to protect myself. And I'm trying to protect myself by pushing other people away, which isn't the best coping mechanism. And I know that it's kind of unhealthy for me. Mm. But actually, if I've got my phone and I can just send a text, then there is something there, but it's not too much. I've not had to go out of the house. I've not had to go and meet someone in a cafe um, because I'd probably scare the public with the state of my face and hair at the moment. Like, no. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, no, honestly. It's, it's a pineapple on my head. If you can imagine that. By uh, a yeah, I imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a photo after. I mean, it won't be a public photo, but I'll send you a photo. <laughs> you, you get that treat. <laughs> oh, it's not going to look as amazing as pineapple hair in my head. <laughs> oh, no. It, honestly, like SpongeBob could live in here. Oh, dearie me. I think you're right, though. I think it is... Um. It's tailored in the same way, like we always talk about treatment, medication and therapy is all almost like trial and error. And I think um, self-care is the same. It is about trying things and some things will work, some things won't. And um, something that you think, like you say, something that you think is really enjoyable, like maybe that bubble bath or whatever, maybe just at that time is not for you. Um and it's about being comfortable, I guess, to try those things and say, yeah, do you know what, that uh, could be okay another time, but today it wasn't, or actually, no, that's not something I, I'm going to enjoy. It is about that sort of trial and error side, and again, being able to to talk about it and share with other people, and they might say, oh, have you tried, oh, I don't know, going to the beach or... <laughs> Riding a Segway. <laughs> like some weird examples. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just trying different things. And I think we can become like really isolated um, very quickly. And our ability to come up with new ideas or different things to try is really limited. And then even if you do come up with them, you're like, oh, but... I won't be any good at it or I won't enjoy it or that means I need to get ready and I don't know what I need to wear or where I would go in and how long will it take and it's quite easy to talk yourself out of stuff yeah. um, and again I think the more you sort of talk to other people and you sometimes I think it really helps almost to like if you've told a few people sometimes you're more likely to go and do something yeah. Um, and that can help as well. Like, I'm a little bit in between. Sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't. I'm like, I'd rather not tell anyone. I'd rather just go and do it myself. Yeah, and then um, tell them afterwards. Yeah, and then sometimes I don't even bother telling them afterwards, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, oh, yeah, I have that little sense of achievement to myself. I don't need to share that. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of it comes back to sort of talking about it. And, and again, if you've got people around you that are able to understand to a reasonable extent sort of what you're going through and um, you're able to have that conversation I think that's really important yeah I think like in terms of those around you remembering that self-care doesn't actually have to be on your own you don't have to do self-care alone if you don't want to like sometimes for me at the moment it's kind of like a phone call with a friend and having that kind of catch up of 
what's happened over the last week. Um, and that might not necessarily be kind of loads. Mm. Uh, it might be like, okay, well, I, I got out of bed today. And actually having someone that can celebrate that with you and celebrate the small victories. And I think for me, actually, it's been the friends closest to me that have actually got me through kind of recent struggles mm. because mm-hmm. they self-cared with me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they, they've kind of said, right, so today maybe kind of try one of these three things. Um, you, like no pressure. They don't kind of pressure me to go, get out of bed, do this today, do this today, mm-hmm. because that would definitely not work for me. But actually having someone to give me a little goal and then kind of check in with me at the end of the day, like how did it go? Did you manage to do this? If not, kind of how can we kind of adapt the goal and try again tomorrow um, and actually kind of going through it with someone can actually really help and making sure that if your friend is struggling to kind of be there and support them because that is invaluable and even when it comes to self-care like self-care doesn't have to be an individual thing like most of the time people do it as an individual thing um I don't want anyone joining me in the bath so damn it that <laughs> oh god sorry mike um so it would be like an individual self-care but actually yeah. being at the end of like a skype um maybe not like recording podcasts but that can be what actually no to be fair fuck it it is one because i'm on the phone i'm talking to someone i mean i'm still in bed but i'm doing something so yes this is self-care I th- yeah it's it's working out what works for you and I, I spoke to someone the other day and we were talking about um slightly different like the concept of time and how we view time and oh god um it was really interesting so one of the things like we were talking about was um I, and i'll come back to this kind of uh was obviously like how we see time passing really quickly and especially if your routine is very similar so if you um like go to college uni or work um and your days can be quite repetitive either through tasks where you sit who you talk to and spend your time with um and then quite a lot of people don't necessarily do stuff in the evening maybe you've got a routine because you've got a family or you live with other people um so your your whole week can kind of disappear with these similar tasks and routines and the pressure to then do something on the weekend to make it stand out or to have fun or go and see someone or whatever and if you don't feel well or up to it or for whatever reason you don't do something that weekend um then that's almost kind of a two-week period that just can merge into one um so we were talking about how important it can be to do small things like if you want to have a coffee or a juice or whatever rather than um, just sitting at home and having that sometimes to go to like a coffee shop or a bar or someone like that um, whether it's on your own or with someone else and to just kind of change it up a little bit um, and that makes your time feel different because when you look back at the end of the day or the week or the month or whatever you will have done a few more things or been to a few different places or seen a few different people um just through every so often trying to change up that routine a little bit um and it was a really it was a really interesting way to sort of think about stuff because it's kind of once we'd sort of said it it was one of those oh well yeah obviously but at the same time as being obvious it's something you don't necessarily notice 
Um, so for me, it was a big kind of realization of actually, do you know what? Like, yeah, there are times when actually I do go out and I'll go and get food or um, go and listen to music or whatever, and I might excuse it away by, oh, I'm going to do it for the blog. Um, but it's actually you're going out, you're going to do stuff, you're going to meet people, or you're just going to go along and listen to some music rather than sitting at home and watching TV or listening to the radio or whatever. Um, you are actually sort of making that effort and going out and doing something different. And over time, um, that can make a real difference as to how you feel about yourself and what you're doing. Um, but also time itself. So what you feel like you've done um, with the time that you've got. I don't know if any of that made any sense. Yeah. Like yeah. the idea that kind of the hands on the clock are kind of a universal thing, but we all have very different perceptions. Mm of it and I think that's kind of very been much the case for me lately like the last five months for someone else might have been full of I don't know holidays or lots of work events but for me it's kind of been all the same it's Mm. been essentially like living in my bedroom um and nothing's really changed and to kind of have nothing that's been telling one day from the next I feel like, okay, I haven't been unwell for that long. And then I'm like, okay, when, when did I get unwell? And it was kind of like November time. And I was like, oh my God, that's five months of my life that I've just been in my bed. And in the past, I'd see five months and think how many different things had happened in those five months. Mm. And it's really weird. Like even like perceptions with yourself, like how you perceive time. For me, it's kind of at the moment feels like it's stopped and everything, you know, like in a film, where you get that image of a person kind of standing still, but everything else is going really fast behind them. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah, time, yeah. Time, it kind of feels like that in my own mind in that everything for me is just stood still and everything around me hasn't stood still with me. It's kind of kept going. Life has kept going for everyone else. I just feel like I am stuck in this one place that I don't know a Monday from a Friday because it makes no difference to me because I've got no plans. I'm not doing anything. I haven't got work. I've not got deadlines. I mean, I do, but I'm not doing them and I'm off uni. I'm well and out of work and not having that kind of structure is one of the hardest things because I think structure with time is so important when you're not well, Mm. because it gives you something to say, okay, well that's a Wednesday or that's a Sunday because that for me right now, like today when I said I'm podcasting Mike, so it's a, it's a Tuesday. Um, but I've got like one friend that has kind of understood that and tried to do like weekly phone calls or catch ups and actually having that thing on a regular day mm. and a regular pattern that has given me some form of structure. Yes. It's not every single day that I've got structure, but having even just one day where you, reach out to a friend or you are the friend and you say, right, every Friday we're going to have a phone call at this time or yeah. like every Sunday we're going to meet up for a coffee. Something small actually makes such a big difference that you don't necessarily realise it when you're well, but actually when you're unwell, you realise actually how important it is to have any kind of structure, any form of structure at all because you need to have something to aim for and Mm. some days that's not possible and that's okay too like 
I can plan something, but actually have to cancel it because I can't get out of bed that day and it's gutting and it's, yeah, it's a rubbish feeling, but having supportive friends around me, they're like, it's okay. Like these days happen. We can postpone. We can do it another day. That's okay. Don't worry. Put yourself first. Is there anything we can do to help you? Mm. And that's what's important. Actually, if you haven't had experience of a mental illness to kind of try and get that understanding that there's sometimes, I, I feel unreliable a lot of the time and I hate that. But in reality, I'm not, unreliable it's my brain mm. it's quite unreliable and I don't know if I'm going to feel a bit better tomorrow or a lot worse and be back in crisis and back in hospital I don't know what's going to happen I can only plan for the best and then deal with the worst if it does come and having friends around me that have appreciated that has been I'd say life-changing, but actually life-saving, really, because mm-hmm. it's my friends that have kept me alive and have meant kind of the difference between kind of utter chaos and kind of a period of unwell where I'm getting that support from friends. Yeah, I think I was thinking something and then my mind disappeared because you stopped talking and I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I was like, I need to stop now because otherwise I'm just going to get emotional and I don't want to do an emotional spill to you. Oh, um, oh it was right. Oh, damn it, for the pen's even in my hand and I didn't write down what that thought was. Um, oh, God. You'll be lost in time forever. Oh, I know. It was probably an amazing thought. Hmm. Oh. Can you say the last two minutes again and prompt me? <laughs> yeah, sure. One second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I think... Um, oh, damn it. God damn. Um, literally no idea. Absolutely no idea what I was going to say. Mine's... Was it going to be, like, funny? Should I laugh or...? Uh, I, uh, what reaction do you want? I don't know. Like, I don't know. That was thought-provoking, Mike, honestly. It Never was. heard something so great. Wow. I need to clip for that bit. <laughs> Just, like, edit out in, like, two minutes over. and be like, oh, I've got no fucking idea what I was going to say. Absolutely no idea. Um, yeah, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I think probably just, I guess generally what we've spoken about is that... Um, that idea that everyone sort of struggles and being able to talk to people about it and... Ah, it's come back to me. Right, okay. (laughs) I can ditch that waffle that I was about to try and get out. Um, Is you spoke about, like, the unreliability type side. And I think... um, Yeah, no, it wasn't going to be a funny thing. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The funny thing was I completely forgot it for like a good two minutes there. Yeah, I hope you leave that in. <laughs> I cut it out. I'm just like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. There wasn't two minutes where I just had a complete mind part. Um, is, yeah, that idea that um, someone with a uh, mental health illness is unreliable. And I think, I guess, like all stereotypes, there is some truth in that, in that... Yes, people that have a mental health illness 
um, are going to have to cancel, postpone, not attend stuff. Um, and you can argue that that happens more often than someone that doesn't have an illness. However, um, as someone that organises um, and attends different events, I would say that it's not a lot higher than the people that aren't affected or don't talk about being affected by a mental health illness. It's actually just because as part of our illness, maybe, um, we draw attention to the fact that we're having to cancel or not attend. Um, and uh, a lot of people don't turn up to stuff or turn up late. And oh, no, I'm almost angry. <laughs> they feel like that's okay. <laughs> um, and I think they don't draw attention to it because they're like, oh, I just, I couldn't do that. I'm doing something else or um, I'm... I just feel tired because I was doing that other thing yesterday, so I don't really want to go along to this other thing today. Or um, actually, I've got something coming up that's going to be really busy, so I'd rather just chill today. I actually don't want to go along to whatever it is you're doing. And not necessarily give a huge amount of thought to that. Um, but because a lot of us are overthinkers, um, we analyze it so much as to oh I really should go but I, I don't know if I can I don't know if I want to or if I go will this happen or actually I'm really struggling with doing some of this smaller stuff so is suddenly jumping like out of bed and going along to this event where there's going to be loads of other people and I won't really know anyone and how long do I stay for and where am I going to park and it can be quite a lot to suddenly take on and I think it's I wonder how much it is just like the self-care side and the self-stigma side, is it us kind of drawing attention ourselves to, oh, I've not been able to go along or I can't go to that, when everyone else is just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think know. it's a hard... It's hard to know yourself as well. Like, kind of, do I push myself to try and do this or do I accept what my body is telling me right now and kind of take it easy? I think I... I struggle with that balance because sometimes I will say, okay, right, I'm not feeling well today, so I'm not going to go. And then I won't go and it'll be like, oh, I'm missing out and yeah. I should have gone. I wish I would have gone. And then there's the kind of other side where I'm like, okay, I'm not very well, but I want to do it. And I didn't do this last thing, so I'm going to try this one. This is going to be me getting back into campaigning or whatever it is. And then actually it makes you worse. Mm. And that's equally hard because like I really wanted to be able to do that and now I feel horrendous like that is it's hard to deal with and I guess it's learning your own body learning how and I guess learning what is worth trying so if it's a meeting that you could do over the phone rather than going in person maybe organize to do that instead mm. so doing maybe trying to do what you want to do but finding little adaptions that would make it easier and like a smaller step rather than the big leap i think it's yeah it's hard i think it's recognizing as well we're we're talking about tasks or doing activities that are strenuous for whatever reason it might be that you really struggle leaving the house or you really struggle with groups and um, or you might be going along to talk about something that you're really passionate about. 
Now, these are going to be mentally and emotionally draining things to do um, when actually if it's, I don't know, part of your study or part of your work, maybe it's a really hard bit of work, but it's not going to be as draining because you're not like emotionally as involved or mentally it's not as much of a struggle. Um, and the same, like if you're going to have like, say there's someone's birthday on the weekend um, and... I don't know, 50% of the people that are going along are just going along for a nice evening. They're not thinking about it. They're like, oh, it's just going to be a cool night, night out to meet people and have a drink and whatever. And maybe the other 50% are like, actually, that they've got some sort of stresses or strains that are going to go into um, going along. Like, have they got to think about, um, like, a family member that they care for? Have they got to think about their kids? Have they... Um, got a particular concern around like the location or how it's going to affect them in a certain way and uh, I think it's it's important to remember that as well because I think a lot of the time especially when we've spoken um, I know when you talk you talk about I've not been able to do this or that or and I think last time we spoke was about um, like time to talk day and we're like oh we're not really doing something and the concern around that I'm like again it's it's not like oh it's going to be um, Tuesday, uh, what are you doing Tuesday? It's like, what are you doing around this campaign that you're emotionally and mentally involved in? Like, it's yeah. going to be hugely draining um, and hugely challenging. Uh, and sometimes you can be fairly well prepared for that. Um, but you're also aware that sometimes it will catch you off and you don't know who you're going to talk to and how that's going to go and... Um, I think that's really important to kind of be aware of as well, especially some of the other people that we talk to. Again, if they're involved in campaigning and um, activism, uh, like that is going to be more draining and it is going to be more challenging. Um, and that is important to kind of remember when we're talking about how we balance certain tasks and things like that, I think. Yeah, I think that balance well with like emotionally draining and physically draining. Yeah. Mm. Uh, something that you really care about and want to go to actually that can be hugely emotionally draining like training day for example I've been unwell and I didn't know whether I was going to make it but also I knew if I didn't make it I would be fully full of like I'll just be self-hating if mm. I didn't make it and I would I think I would feel worse than I did if I did go that was kind of my thought yeah. process like if I don't go to it, I'm going to feel worse than if I do go. It's like but the lesser of two evils. Yeah. So basically I was like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm not going to fully win yep. either way, but I will get some, like, I guess some wins in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also I might get some losses and that's like, okay, I've just got to learn how to balance that. And luckily for me, like the staff um, at times change and the ones that were there are so supportive, like, I don't think you'd ever meet a more supportive bunch of humans if you looked for them. And they made kind of adaptation so that I could get a taxi rather than going on the tube. And they made sure to get me kind of a cab home and check um, that I was okay throughout the day. Um, and I was having like, uh, I say wobbles. I mean, I had quite a few wobbles and then just a full on cry to one of the staff who was incredible. And actually having gone to that, it was so emotionally draining. Um, but I think by Sunday, I'd cried everything out of my body that I literally couldn't cry anymore. 
Um, so it was kind of a good emotionally draining, but also a difficult one. Um, and kind of like when you, I think because I'd been unwell, I'd started crying because why did I, oh, I can't even remember. I, I think I started because I was proud of someone. And then later in the day I had cause I've got chronic pain. My pain started flaring up. I think I was doing your podcast. I snuck out for a bit. Mm. Um, and cause I started crying about that. I ended up starting crying about everything and it kind of just opened the floodgates. And I think I don't, open floodgates very often but I think it's because I was in such a supportive and safe environment for me that that felt okay to do and I think that was a good I I chose well in terms of going to that one but it was so emotionally draining like you said like when it's something you care about and you're so invested in it's going to be draining Mm -hmm. and knowing to have something in place for after that if that makes sense so if you are going to something that you've planned and you know it's going to be emotionally draining for you actually think okay so that evening I'm going to have this in place or the next day I'm going to have this in place I'm going to see this person or I'm going to call this person I'm going to have a bath or actually I'm just going to remember to eat having that I guess goals for yourself if you know something's going to be like that um and it's hard because you can't ever know like okay well I did it this time so that means it's going to make me feel the exact same this time because it's never going to make you feel the exact same way different times. That makes sense. Yeah. Like it might be a similar feeling, but no two events, even if they are the exact same event, you're not going to get the same emotions out of both of them because there will be slightly different factors that have played into it. Whether that's one day was rainy, one day was sunny or someone asked kind of an intense question on one and the other one made a joke. Like there's going to be small things that you can't control. Um, so making that decision, it's hard. Um, and you can only do it with what, what you know is best for you, which Mm. you don't always know. Um, but just, I guess, telling the people around you what you're planning to do so they can support you. And they know that you might be struggling a bit more that evening because you've had such a long day. So to check in, kind of small things like that yeah i think you're right i think it's trying to be aware of some of those things as well i mean like even even little old visitor me like i made sure i had the morning the next day clear after that training just because i was like it, it is a long day and you don't know how much i never really expected to be as affected by the talks as i was but I knew it was going to be a potentially quite uh, like a draining day, um, probably expecting more mentally than emotionally. Um, yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's being aware of that sometimes. And I think that's part of your, I don't know, I guess the self-discovery that sort of happens as you go along your journey and um, working out how certain things might affect you. Um, but yeah it's, yeah, it's part of well, it. And it's not, uh, it isn't, a weakness that you need to have that time afterwards actually it's really quite a powerful thing because it's showing how you're starting to understand how your body and your mind works and um being able to deal with those situations better yeah i think you did well by booking the next day off i tell you or the next morning off. yeah i yeah i can't i I honestly can't remember what i was doing but i was doing something in the afternoon and I remember thinking, oh, just it'd be quite cool just to chill a little bit longer. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, the, like the, just having the morning to sort of sit in bed and 
um, watch Netflix or whatever I was watching and just be able to chill out a little bit. Like, I would think I was still up pretty early. Um, but, yeah, just to feel like I can just be for a couple of hours without having to run on to the next thing was quite nice. Yeah, I think that's... For everyone, they need that. Like, even if it's just five minutes between things, yeah, give yourself some of that time. I don't think people... Because as I think as a society, we're so pressured with time, like this must be done by this point, this must be done by this point. We jump from project to project or kind of seeing one person to seeing the next person because we don't feel like we have that time. But actually we need to allocate ourselves, even if it's five, ten minutes between the two. Like you need something in between that. You can't just – otherwise you're going to completely burn out. And I think Mm – I've done that so many times that I've just burnt out and become physically ill as well as mentally ill. Like, not allowing yourself that time. I think that is a self-care thing, actually, just giving yourself five minutes. Even if you're not doing anything, doing nothing can sometimes be, like, ultimate self-care. And I've seen some... um, I was in a mindfulness session a couple of weeks ago, and we ran through, like, this... It was about a half an hour... Um, like, um, I forget what it's called, um, like body scan mindfulness thingy. And they were like, oh, it's great if you can do this, like sort of one or two times a day. And I'm like, it took us half an hour. I haven't got an hour. Yeah. Some of those are five five minutes. But yeah. Then they said, oh, you can, there are ones that you can do in sort of three, four or five minutes. I'm like, oh, okay. That's more realistic. That's, that's possible. I still haven't done it, but it's in theory possible. But then it was really funny because literally like two days later, um, someone was doing one of those like little mini survey type things. It wasn't on Facebook, so I feel secure with my data Um, (laughs) about like how long do you spend online? And I was like, oh, man, this is one of those shit ones where most people say like two hours, isn't it? Because I actually worked it out like like an hour in the morning and an hour at lunchtime. And then I'll come home and it's a couple of hours and I watch YouTube and that's online and if I send a couple of, that's all on it's like, mm, I don't know, like seven or eight hours a day. I'm like, seven or eight hours a day? Jesus. I think I probably could afford half an hour to do a little bit of mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like now I think about it. <laughs> but it's the way it's the like you say, it's the routine and sort of building some of that stuff in. It will make a real difference, but it's trying to get into that. I mean, it, for me, it starts off with that idea that if you can do something in a couple of minutes, if you can build in that two minutes or five minutes to chill out, to go for a walk, to break up between the different tasks you're doing and make that kind of the thing that you do, that, that you're um, you're improving your, your, your mental health, your physical health as well, if you're getting up and moving around... Um, and it will help you focus in on the tasks that you're doing and it kind of clearly defines your time a little bit more as well but it's building those things in and we could all do that like I say looking back I I could do it I've got enough time to do an hour of mindfulness a day I'm not going to do it but that time is there and it's trying to build in gradually what um if there's things that you want to do or that you can do and I think starting off with those couple of minutes is the best way to do it because it's a bit more of an acceptable way to kind of get that in yeah i think it's like it's about making habits though like mm. like you said that you've get into the habit of like what did you say like an hour in the morning of 
kind of going through things an hour at lunch you're in that habit because that's what's normal for you yeah, i think yeah, yeah. where i read it's like 21 it takes 21 days i think to make a habit something that you're used to mm-hmm. so it can be hard for well the first 21 days um not saying it's gonna be easy after that but actually having formed maybe a new habit that at lunch you don't spend an hour doing whatever on the internet actually you have half an hour of that is mindfulness if that's what you want to do Uh, or some other form of self-care that works for you because mindfulness doesn't work for everyone Mm. it doesn't work for me i mean i've got chronic pain so trying to picture my body and imagine my body is not the best thing Um, (laughs) so that's easy Yeah, like, do you remember that pain you're in? Yep, great, thanks. Um, and actually, maybe like half an hour to okay, right, half an hour to eat your lunch mindfully. Or this is because in a therapy session before, my therapist gave me an apple, oh, and yeah. she made me sit there and eat the apple mindfully, and it was just really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you could do that with your lunch for half an hour rather than browsing on Twitter or yeah. whatever you're doing. Yeah, and actually forming the habit of like new coping mechanisms and good habits okay because you, like you say you do have that time yeah just we don't ever see us having that time because we're so used to a certain routine and it doesn't fit in with that specific routine yeah i think you're right i'm, I'm gonna have a go what day is today tuesday okay so somewhere this week i'm gonna try and mindfully eat something okay That's gonna what be day my... i'm gonna check in with you um uh, can i just say between now and Friday evening, so yes. either tomorrow or the two days after. Yep, perfect. That's, that's going to be my plan. That's I message you on Friday evening. Yeah. Did you eat a mindful apple? <laughs> no, but I did eat a mindful Mars bar. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your Easter egg again? Yeah. Oh, no, well, that one's gone now. I've eaten that. Oh, you can um, buy more adult. To finish off... Um, I've actually remembered the the question that I held off on, and you've forgotten about it. Kind oh of. God, I, I did. You did. So that was good. Um, so I know we've spoken about not doing stuff, and I'm I've got kind of a mixed answer for me. But in six weeks, seven weeks, um, it's Mental Health Awareness Week, um, and I've already seen more in the workplace than like through blogs and stuff like that people start to talk about what they're doing um and for me it's really interesting because the last time like i said we spoke we spoke about um the time to talk day and um the different things that we wanted to do or weren't doing and for me i'm like i'm now in a position where actually doing stuff will be part of my work um so i'm going to be doing loads of stuff in the workplace through the the charity that I work for but actually like me me I'm I'm not going to be doing or I don't plan at the moment to be doing anything and it still feels a bit weird because you feel like you're not I don't know involved or you're not doing as much as you can and I know a lot of a, a lot of what we've just spoken about is about kind of understanding that you can't always do stuff but it just it still feels weird and I'm like but on the other hand you like you as a person are doing stuff but because it's through work it somehow feels less I don't, I don't know um 
So it was to kind of have a little bit of a chat about if you were doing anything or um, also what type of things um, potentially time to change are doing if they're doing anything um, or just some ideas that we could talk about doing as well. I think for me, I haven't got anything specific planned because my life at the moment is like a day at a time and that's kind of, I guess I'm having to accept that that's the way things are at the moment. Um, but I mean, I'm sure close to the time I'll probably have a guilt-ridden moment of I'm not doing anything, I need to do something. Um, but actually realising that and it doesn't have to be this huge thing. And like you said, it's a week, but actually people experience mental illness every day of the year. And it doesn't have to be defined to this one week where you raise awareness or you write a blog or do a vlog or a podcast, whatever it is, you can do that every day of the year. And it's, it's so much more than a day. And I think that was what was important for me around time to talk day that I felt so guilty for not doing anything because most of the campaigning I do is through times change and for times change and for their campaigning that I felt like I was kind of a fake campaigner because I wasn't doing it like I've been speaking it all up mm. and then the day came and it was like oh but I'm not going to do anything I just want you all to do something and that's kind of how it felt so I felt really rubbish about it but actually realizing someone had messaged me saying like it's more than a day like it's so much more than a day and it can be something that you do every single day of the year so I think for mental health awareness week if you have just one goal I would say to text a friend and to reach out to see how they're doing that's like a small I guess goal um and it's something that can help those around you it doesn't have to be on a huge scale like actually just reaching out to a loved one mm. that can make such a big difference and that people often oversee kind of the small things, but actually the small things add up and it can make such a big difference in someone's life. And just kind of one text can make such a huge difference. I think for me recently, someone messaged me saying, um, literally it was just so simple saying we will get through this together and that feeling of not being alone in the battle and not actually being as alone as I feel, that was huge. So I guess for the awareness week, the main thing I would say is actually text a loved one. Mm. That's it. Like you, you don't need to do a big event. Like, yes, incredible, amazing if you can. And you can go and set up a stall somewhere or you can go into a school and do a talk that is incredible, but it's also incredible to text a friend or to, I don't know, call your nan that you've not spoke to in a couple of weeks yeah. and kind of recognising that there are so many different things you can do that might be perceived as big or small, but actually they are all making an impact in their own way and it's all part of a bigger puzzle. I think there's so many small pieces of the puzzle that have to come together for that kind of social change to keep happening, mm. that it all, all adds up and it's all important and to kind of acknowledge that and to celebrate what you can do and what you're able to do. So I guess not being hard on yourself if you're not 
able right now to do something that you feel would be better than what you're doing mm. because you are doing your best and your best is enough yeah and it's it's not insignificant at all and you're still making an impact it's just a different impact to what you wanted if that makes sense like you're still going to make that positive impact that positive change but you're doing it in a different a different way on, on a different scale mm. i think um i i've just realized like when you're talking you mention it's the small things loads and i'm just <laughs> wait i'm waiting for you to say it's just important to be in your mate's corner <laughs> like fully get in like all <laughs> all of the little tags um, I, I mean I've, I've i've mentioned being there for your friends quite a few times yeah you have but i'm, I'm just you, waiting for the like, be in your friend's corner people yeah okay. um, if people want to hear a little bit more from you or find out about you jd where can they go uh you can find me on twitter at jody volunteers or my website justagirlinterrupted.com cool thank you very much for coming on and talking about well loads of stuff really (laughs) um it's been cool to just sit and have a little bit of a chat and reflect on what was a really cool day a couple of weeks ago as well and um just talk and i think that's one of the big things that we've obviously spoken about in the last sort of hour or so is is the importance of just being able to talk to people about some of the stuff that's going on and and why we think that's so important. Yeah, it's been lovely to talk to you. Oh, you too. Sent you a photo of my pineapple head as well. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Just to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Quick, rushes off to phone. <laughs> Get the music going. <laughs> So after we finished off talking there, we probably kind of carried on, I guess, for about another half an hour. And there were a couple of bits that I really wanted to include. And um, I think Jodie will be happy with me including them. Uh, There are really sort of nice little snippets of some of the stuff that Jodie's got going on and some of her thoughts about the programme as well. So I'm going to include those um, at the end, so in a moment. Uh, But I also want to say a big thank you to Jodie for coming on to the podcast again and talking about... Um, her experience as a young time to change champion or a time to change young champion uh and it was really cool like i said in the last episode to go along and see their final training session i know all of those uh young champions are going to go on to do some amazing stuff and all of the guys at time to change are looking forward to having that uh the next group of young people that are going to come through and be part of that program as well uh, I'd like to say a big thank you to you guys for listening in to this episode and I guess also trying to say um, that I know there's a few of you that don't necessarily feel like coming onto the podcast is for you and that's completely okay uh, but if you want to kind of talk away from the podcast I'm quite happy to do that and maybe you can work up to coming on as well. Uh, I think it's really really good to be able to have 
um, real people coming on the podcast and talking about their own situations and some of their challenges and their successes as well. So I really appreciate those people that have come and will be coming onto the podcast that talk about their own stories and their own journeys. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you do want to come on the podcast in the future, uh, all the information is available at mikesopenjournal.com. Uh, you can find me at mike underscore Douglas underscore on most of the social media things. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, and please remember, you're not alone out there. Here's that audio stuff from Jody. Some good stuff there. Well, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> what sort of stuff have you got um, <clears throat> like going on that you want to do at the moment? Um, I'm going into London on Thursday, actually, because we've got a filming day with Time to Change. So it's kind of like... Um, a shortened version of our testimonies and speaking about the program and okay. like what it's kind of meant to us. Um, so that'll be shown for like the next cohort of young cry, the next cohort of young champions. Oh my god, this sounds emotional already. Honestly, it's like handing the baton over. Baton is that the right word? Yeah, mm, yeah, I think it's yeah. baton, but maybe that's. Oh, I'm very but the baton. The baton. <laughs> Yeah, baton. Yeah. <laughs> um, pass the stick thing over. Yeah, pass the stick, the metal stick um, over. Oh, that's really sad. But I've gained a ridiculous amount of skills with them. And, like, I'm forever saying thank you to them and whatever. But honestly, I have gained more than I can actually like put into words with them like I tried to write that kind of blog post recently kind of overviewing it all but there are no words for like a program that has given you so much like I don't think the staff always realize just how much Mm. um, they've given to everyone and I think that's why I wrote the post and I spoke to Joss afterwards and she was like because she was at a training session um when I posted it, yeah, uh, and she, she she opened it and just started shaking for half an hour. Oh. Sorry, but it's like for them to actually realise that what they've done for us as well. Like we've volunteered for them, and we've gone out into schools with them, and we've mm. helped their campaign, and we've driven their campaign forward. But actually, what they've given to us as well is equally, if not more, of value to us personally to our growth and to skill sets going forward into the future that it was nice for like I like to be able to show them just how much they've Mm. meant to us Mm. and actually giving people a platform to do that and to say thank you and to show gratitude and say actually this is what you've done for us like it's huge like the last 18 months you've given us so much and I think being able to share that with the team who have been like central and invaluable to me that was lovely hmm. oh i wish i said this shit earlier this was nice oh i'll try and remember and add it uh doubt i will <laughs> <laughs>